It is consistently the single best way to build business opportunities, expand professional relationships, and show your expertise. It is speaking. Whether it's speaking at a board meeting, a civic group, or on a big stage, our guest knows a proven way to be successful. He is himself a successful keynote speaker, as well as a coach to more than 2,000 other speakers. Today, we're talking with Grant Baldwin, author of The Successful Speaker on the Manage Your Message podcast. Welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast, where professionals come for ideas and inspiration to grow by talking about their businesses more effectively and getting lots of other people to do the same. Here is your host, consultant, professional speaker, and author, Jim Carr. Come on in and welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast. I'm Jim Carr. I help professionals and entire organizations to get the most out of their everyday business conversations, the ones that generate by far the most growth opportunities. There is an enormous opportunity for business owners, managers, professionals of all stripes who want to stand out and grow. And yet, many of us don't fully appreciate the extent of the opportunity that's right in front of us today, or we don't know where to start addressing it or wonder whether we or our employees or colleagues would ever have the right knowledge or skills or personalities to lead consistently effective customer conversations. Well, that's where my work comes in as an author, professional speaker, and consultant. And on this podcast, we are here to help you with ideas for the three necessary components for managing your message. First, creating the message itself, the words, stories, insights, and evidence you want your customers and prospects to know about. Second, equipping and growing your network of messengers, the people who can help you share that message. And third, management habits that will shape your culture and turn those improvements into an everyday business advantage. When you bring those three pieces together, you will very likely enjoy improvements in revenue, market share, customer engagement, employee engagement, even your brand and reputation. I take you through that process in more detail in my new book, available from Career Press. It's titled The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business. You can find it in paperback, Kindle, and audio versions, wherever great business books are sold. You can also find a free sample on my website, jimcard.com. We bring all of this together for you because simply put, it's much easier to grow your business when you are a message manager. Now, sometimes at this point in the podcast, I'll offer a, a little backstory of why and how I pursued a particular guest to join us. I haven't yet met Grant Baldwin in person, although I feel like I know him, which I also think is one of the characteristics of a great speaker. I first came upon Grant's podcast, which is called The Speaker Lab. It's also the name of his successful business. Grant also produces some great YouTube videos in which he breaks down keynote speeches by some of the big names like Tony Robbins and Les Brown. But one of the things I find most appealing about Grant is that he is, as he puts it, just a normal dude, not an Olympic champion, not a corporate titan or someone who came to fame for some heroic deed. And yet, over the past decade and thousands of paid presentations, he has developed five steps that other normal people can follow to be successful speakers as well. Interesting fact, Grant is a former youth pastor. He and his family live in the Nashville, Tennessee area. Also, Grant naturally talks faster than does your host. I will try to keep up. Hey, Grant Baldwin, welcome to the Manager Message Podcast. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate that, man. As we record this conversation, there is an overriding concern around the world, COVID-19, of course. 
Now, our our hope, our expectation is that we here in the U.S., people all over the world, will take necessary steps. We will get through this. History suggests that we will, and we'll bounce back well. But before we get into the specifics of your booked and paid to speak process, Grant, I'm just curious, you're into the speaking world in a, in a very heavy way. Do you have a feel for how the business of speaking and meeting and training will rebound? And, and do you think on the other side of that, that we're going to have some things that are kind of the same as they were before or other things that might be more permanent changes when it comes to in-person meetings? Yeah, it's a really good question. I, I'm really optimistic for several different reasons. One, I think that you know the speaking industry is one that has been around for literally decades and decades. It has gone through 9-11 and recessions and wars, and, and it has seen all types of situations like this. Now, obviously, this is, this is pretty unique. This is literally affecting every single person on the planet. So this is really some uncharted territories. But again, I know that the, the speaking industry has been around. It will continue to be around. I think especially in this current climate where a lot of us are quarantined by choice or by regulation of some form, as we get through this, I think even more so people are going to be craving that human connection, that human interaction. And so there's always going to be the opportunity for live events. At the same time, I think this also creates a lot of opportunities for virtual speaking. So there's obviously a lot of events that were supposed to be coming up in the, you know, the coming weeks and months. And I've been scheduled to speak at several of them that have been postponed and rescheduled and that sort of thing. And so I think what it, what it creates, though, is these new opportunities for speakers to figure out how to best continue to, to serve and help their clients and serve their audiences, right? The other thing that I've been noticing a lot is that at this very moment, at the time of this recording, there's not a lot of events happening, if any, but I've noticed that a lot of events are still booking speakers for the future. So for example, I was talking with a, uh, a friend of mine who's a, an event planner of a big big conference that happens in uh, it's happening in September, several months from now, and I was asking him how he's doing. He said, hey, I, I mean, at this moment, you know, who knows how this is going to shape out and how this is going to uh, affect the event in the coming months. But at this moment, it's all systems go and I still need speakers. So there's still, again, a lot of events that are, are still proceeding as planned for the, the summer, the, the, the fall, the winter. Uh, and in fact, a lot of the events and speakers that I know that we're supposed to be speaking at events right now, a lot of those have been not canceled, but rescheduled and postponed. So I think what we're going to see throughout the rest of the year is a big influx of events and continued opportunity. So even yesterday, I was going for a walk in my neighborhood you mentioned we live in the Nashville area. So there's a bunch of people in the music industry. So ran into some friends who are country music artists and was was talking with them and and knew that that they had been out doing some shows. And I said, Hey, how you know, how's this affecting you? He's like, Man, not, yeah, everything's shut down right now. He's, he said, But we're still getting booked like crazy for the fall. And he said, It's basically, you know, you take a, a year's worth of events and, and tour dates, and now all of a sudden it's been consolidated to a shorter period, but they're all still happening. So right now at this very moment, again, no idea how this is going to play out, but I'm I'm pretty optimistic at this point. I share your optimism. And I wonder if probably in the case with the meeting professionals too, if because a lot of things getting rescheduled, if there's not going to be a pinch on meeting space and travel in and out. So we'll, we'll see a lot of wild swings, but uh, people I think are preparing themselves well, just in terms grant of professional speaking in the meeting world and also business development generally. I had a, a little different kind of question for you. Your book's subtitle is Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, and Building Your Platform. And when I read your book and enjoyed it a lot, it seems to me that the principles that you're writing about and that you talk about apply pretty broadly. So anybody who wants to speak to other people and be influential, even if their professional goal isn't necessarily to be a keynote speaker on a big stage. So uh, Grant, my question is, did you write the book for 
aspiring professional speakers specifically, or were you thinking more generally about people who just might want to add speaking into their professional quiver? Yeah, good question. So I, I've noticed that that there's certainly people who may be listening right now who want to be full-time speakers. And that was most of my career. I was doing 50, 60, 70 speaking gigs a year all over primarily the US. And uh, and I noticed that there were a lot of people who are like, I want to do that. I want to do a whole bunch of gigs or you know up to 100 gigs a year. But there's also plenty of people who are listening right now who are like, I like speaking, but I don't want to do that much. You know, I, I've got another business or I've got uh, other obligations or I just don't want to travel or be gone that much. But I still enjoy speaking. It's a good way to, you know, to help people serve an audience. It's good. It's fun. I enjoyed it. it. It moves the needle in a variety of different ways. So I still wouldn't mind speaking, but I still don't know what to do next. So whether you are someone who says, I want to do 100 gigs a year, or I, wanted, I just want to do five gigs a year, but I still am having trouble figuring out how do I find gigs and who do I and who hires speakers? What do they speak about? And how much do you charge? And like, how does the speaking world work? So whether you want to speak a bunch or, a, or, or even just a few times, then we want to give you that step-by-step process of exactly what your next step should be. And Grant, after this question, I want you to, if you will, go into those, those five steps and it's the focus of your book and your process. But there's another thing I've noticed over time and getting to know a lot of other speakers and being around people who are good big room trainers and, and they, they get out in front of audiences. And one of the things as well, and when I was doing research for my book is it became clear from some recent research that extroverts are not necessarily the best sellers, are not necessarily the most influential people. We've kind of assumed that for a couple of generations now, but it doesn't bear out in practice. And Grant, I've been surprised. I mean, you've been around obviously a lot more speakers than have I, but many speakers, including some of the big names that people might recognize, are not extroverts at all. They're actually on the other side of the scale. They're pretty introverted. They become skilled at what they do and they they have a preparation process and they they light it up on stage but it's really draining. So I think a lot of people might assume if they want to either be a full-time speaker or just add speaking to their repertoire that well, you know, but I'm really not that extrovert. I'm not that run to the stage sort of person naturally. What's your experience in terms of is there a personality type that's best suited to this? That's very true. That the I think that is a great misconception amongst speakers and just those interested in speaking. That in order to be a speaker, in order to be a successful speaker, that you have to be the life of the party. That you have to be this extrovert. That you have to be this larger than life, you know, Tony Robbins type of character. And the reality is, like, that's just not true. I'm pretty introverted myself, and a lot of speakers that I know are very introverted. That we enjoy being around people. We enjoy being on stage. We enjoy interacting with people. But to your point, it is very draining. It is, and speaking is. It can be very, you know mentally, uh, emotionally, physically, just, it's just tiring, right? You're just all, all in, all, all on. It can be tiring. You know, uh, I know there's events for myself where uh, I finish speaking and I've interacted with people and I get back to my hotel room and I'm just like mentally fried and I still loved it. It was so much fun, but it also just recognizing it, like it's, it's okay to be introverted and, and still be a successful speaker. So you, it's not that this, you know, that again, you have to be this, this raging extrovert in order to, to, to make it in this world. Okay, you don't have to wear the plaid sport coat and be a backslapper, message managers, anything like that. So given the fact that the, the opportunity is there, that speaking is such a great way to build your reputation, build your expertise, build your business, uh, you don't have to be a specific personality type in order to succeed at doing that. So Grant, you, through all of your experience and the way that you've organized the book here, you, you have five steps and you've got a certain sequence that you 
put your students through that you suggest anybody go through if they want to build this. So we have some time here. Would you be willing to take us through the the speak sequence that you lay out in the book? Yeah. So inside the book, we walk through this five-step process that, like you said, makes the acronym SPEAK, S-P-E-A-K. So the S is for select a problem to solve, select a problem to solve. And so this is the most important part of the process. And again, this isn't exclusive to just speakers, right? So if you're someone who's who's listening right now, is like, eh, I don't really know if I want to be a speaker or not. I don't know how many gigs I want to do or whether or not this is a fit for me. I want you to tune in right now because this is really, really important. But so selecting a problem to solve, we talk about two sides of the equation. You got to be really, really clear about who you speak to And number two, what is the problem that you solve for that audience? Now, the mistake that a lot of people make right now is that we just say, like, I just enjoy speaking. Speaking is just fun. So who do I speak to? I don't know. I I speak to people. I speak to humans. My message is for everyone, right? And the opposite opposite side of the equation is also the case where people say, well, what do I speak about? Well, what do you want me to speak about? You know, I can speak about leadership or sales or marketing or faith or family or parenting or sports or what, and just like on and on and on the list goes. And even if you know something about all those things, even if you're passionate about all all those things, you don't want to try to position yourself as the go-to authority on all of those things because that's just not realistic. That's not that's not accurate and it's not believable. And so one of the things we talk about is that you want to be uh, positioned as the steakhouse and not the buffet, the steakhouse and not the buffet. And what we mean by that is, Jim, if you and I were going to go, we were looking for a good steak, like we have a choice, like we could go to a buffet where steak is one of a hundred different things that they offer and they're all mediocre, or we could go to a steakhouse where they do one thing, but they do that one thing really, really well. So they don't do lasagna. They don't do tacos. They don't do pizza. They don't do cupcakes. They do steak and that's it. And so by saying like, I do this and nothing else, then it makes it easier to to attract the right type of clients and to repel the wrong type of clients. Now, this is all counterintuitive because we think that the more things we can talk about, the more services we can offer, the more products we have, the more people we can speak to, the more opportunities we'll get. But that's not what people are looking for. They're not looking for the generalist. They're looking for the specialist, someone who does one thing, but does that one thing really, really well. And again, this isn't, like I said, this isn't exclusive to just speakers. This is true with anything. So let me give you an example. Let's imagine that, that God forbid, you needed to have brain surgery, right? You have a choice. You could go to a brain surgeon where they are an expert. This is what they do day in and day out. They are the best at this one specific thing. So if you have a broken arm, you don't go to them. If you got a cough, you don't go to them. If you've got some, some allergy, you don't go to them. But if you've got a brain issue, that's the person that you go to versus going to just your general primary care physician, right? They went to medical school. They've probably done some surgery before. They know more about the human body than you and I do. But if they've never done brain surgery, that's not the person that I want working on my brain. So we want the person that I, I do one thing, but I do that one thing really, really well. So that's the most important part of the process for speakers is to get really, really clear on that. I serve one specific audience solving one specific problem for them. So that's the first part of the process, the S. If you get that part right, then the rest of the process actually becomes a lot simpler, cleaner, and smoother to be able to follow because you know where you're headed versus, again, trying to be this person that's all things for all people. So that's the S. Just to reinforce that point, and I think both for speakers and as you say, just for anyone who's building their reputation, building their business, make it easier for people to talk about you in a clear way. And I was, as you were speaking there about the, you know, I hope that brain surgery is not in the immediate plate, but I think a lot of my uh, friends and people that I know here in in my community say a uh, a really good wealth manager, investment advisor, or my, my CPA. And they have broad sets of skills, but yet sometimes if I get asked, you know, who's a, who's a good accountant and I'll know that, that my guy is really good for say private businesses or family businesses. He's not going to be as, as good of a fit for everyone else. So I think that important 
first step. And I like the way that you put that at the very beginning, select a problem to solve because it helps guide, I think, your activities as a professional, but it also makes it much easier for your messenger, for other people to talk you up and to know where you would be a good fit for someone like them. So I just want to reinforce that point about selecting a problem to solve. And you put that before the next step, which is actually prepare your talk itself. Yeah. So the next step, prepare your talk. So this is where, okay, I'm clear on who I speak to. I'm clear on what the problem is that I solve. At this point, I want to be clear on what the solution is. How am I going to be able to best help the audience? And so uh, we talk through the different types of talks, you know, a, a keynote, a workshop, seminars, breakouts, that sort of thing. And we also talk about how do you actually create your talk? You know, so if you know, like, okay, I know, I know how I can help people, but I'm staring at a blank screen or a blank piece of paper trying to figure out how do I actually put this into a talk format? So that's where we dig into how do you think this through? How do you use slides? How do you use stories? How do you use humor, formats of talks? How do you create kind of a a flow, a workflow to uh, an actual presentation? The next step of the process is the the E, is to establish yourself as the expert. Establish yourself as the expert. What we mean by that is you're clear on who you speak to. You're clear on what the problem is that you solve. Now you have to be able to communicate that to the marketplace. And so two key tools that you need is you need a website and you need a demo video, a website and a demo video. In this day and age, if you don't have a website, you don't exist. People will not take you seriously. so you want to have a website. And one of the unique things about being a speaker is that you are the product. You are the brand. So we recommend that you use your name as the domain. So in fact, I have grantbaldwin.com. I actually had to purchase it from another guy named Grant Baldwin who owned it. He was a, a retired guitar teacher in California. <laughs> And Grant, you have a fairly common name, which the spelling of it would be logical. I mean, I could imagine how do you spell Grant Baldwin. And the great thing for you is you don't have a last name like K-A-R-R-H. Trying to find all the domains for how it gets most commonly misspelled. Let's just say that that probably happened. So so you found GrantBaldwin.com. Was it hard to to get that domain? It wasn't necessarily hard because I bought this. It would have been for like 14, 15 years ago or so, actually. So uh, it was it was a unique phone call to make to call, you know, find the phone number and call this guy. Hey, are you Grant Baldwin? I'm Grant Baldwin uh, <laughs> as well. So thankfully, he was actually, he sold it to me for $300, which was a steal. So turned out to be a bargain. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'll keep that forever. And in fact, you know, to that end, like I purchased the domain names for my wife and all three of my daughters, and I'm just, I'm squatting on those until they need them someday. And then I'll uh, sell it back to them at an exorbitant rate. Yeah. I, I've done the same thing and, and uh, we still have to negotiate rates. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, we got to, you know, we're, I, I got to, I'm paying the bills here. So you got to help me out. <laughs> So yeah, so I think having your name as the domain, because again, you are the product, you are the brand. So the website's really important. The second part that you need is the demo video. Now, the demo video is one of those things that it's a necessary evil and people can be intimidated by it of like, what do you put in it? And what's it for? And how do you use it? Yada, yada. And so I want you to think of it like this. I want you to think of it like a, a movie trailer. You know, you take a movie that's, let's, let's say, 90 minutes, two hours, and they're going to condense it down to two or three minutes of a movie trailer. And so you have, within those two or three minutes, you have a, an idea of who's in it, what's the plot, what's the theme. And the goal of a movie trailer and the goal of a demo video is to make people want to see more. You don't need to see an entire movie to determine whether or not it's a movie that you would be interested in. You typically just need to see a, a couple of minutes of a trailer to, to determine like, ah, oh, can't wait to see that. That's going to be awesome. Or, eh, I mean, it looks fine, but it's not, it's not my cup of tea, which is fine. And so that's what you're trying to communicate with a demo video. Because one of the things you want to remember 
is that event planners are in the risk mitigation business. And what I mean by that is anytime that they put someone up on stage, that person is a representation of that event or that client or that organization or that person. So anything that they say, they or do could be used against them in a court. No, that's what I mean. But, uh, but what they say is a representation and an extension of that person. And so they want to make sure if I bring this person in and I put them on stage, that they are going to do a good job representing our company or our brand or our event or whatever it may be. So the demo video is really important in in that regard. So that's the E, establish yourself as the expert. The A is acquire paid speaking gigs, acquire paid speaking gigs. Now, of course, this is the part that a lot of us, we want to fast forward to. That's the thing I'm looking forward to. I I just, I want to book gigs, right? So what do I need to do to book gigs? But I hope it's clear at this point that people see why you need to have these other steps in place first. So people who who come to me and say, hey, I just, I I want to book gigs. What do I need to do? I say, okay, let's go back to the S. Let's get clear on who you speak to. What do you speak about? No, no, no. I, I'm not worried about that. I can speak about anything to anybody. I just want to book gigs. Okay, let's let's work on the talk. Well, I can talk about whatever. Okay, let's let's talk about your website and video. Nah, I don't need those things. I just want to book gigs. It's like if you don't have these <laughs> preliminary pieces in place, it's going to be very difficult. So once you have these other pieces in place, then it actually again, like we talked about with the steakhouse buffet, it becomes easier to find the right type of clients. So a couple of things that you can do at this point. One of the simplest things that you can do is you want to make sure that everyone in your sphere of influence knows that you're a speaker. So friends, family, coworkers, colleagues, all of them, make sure that they know that you're a speaker, know who you speak to and know what the problem is that you solve and what you speak about. Now, you may be thinking, but I don't know anybody in my sphere of influence who is an event planner, right? My mom's not an event planner. Totally get that. But she may know of someone who is or someone comes across her radar who is looking for a speaker. And if she doesn't know or if someone doesn't know that you're a speaker, they will never recommend you. So you want to make sure that you are top of mind with people and you are on people's radars as a go-to person who can speak on a certain subject or topic. And again, this also goes back to why it's important to, to get clear on being more specific on who you speak to and what you speak about versus trying to do all things for all people. There are multiple entrepreneurs that I know or I'm friends with and I couldn't really tell you what they do. You know, I, I know that there are entrepreneurs. I know that somehow they make a living, and but it seems like seems like kind of a, a flavor of the week type of thing that they do this. But then I think they do this. But now they're doing that, and like I don't I don't really know what they're up to. And so you you don't want to be positioned as that of just like this person you know does this and this and this. And I don't really know if I should recommend them. It'd be like if a, a restaurant was like not just changing their menu, but like changing cuisines like every month. You're just like I, I don't know what I'm going to get every time I'm, I go in there. Versus like I want to for for me personally, Grant. And what we do at the Speaker Lab, like I want to become a go-to authority on speaking. We've been in this industry for well over a decade, and we have a lot of people who say, hey, I want to become a speaker. Who do I go to? And people recommend us. And so that's what I want to do versus people like, I think Grant does speaking, but I I mean, I know he does a dozen other things. So that's what you don't you don't want to be, you don't want to be in that spot. So that's the A, the acquire paid speaking gigs. And we we dig into a several other ways that you can find gigs, but the just making sure it's on people's radars is a good start. And then the last part of the process is K, know when to scale. Know when to scale. And what we mean by that is there's a lot of people who are interested in speaking, but are also interested in and just ultimately sharing their message. And speaking just happens to be one medium to be able to do that. So there's people who say, okay, I want to speak, but I also want to uh, I want to write a book or I want to publish or I want to do a course or a podcast or coaching or consulting or any number of things. And so what we always remind people is that you can do all the things, but you can't do all the things at once. Something's going to come first. Something's going to come last. And so you have to be really, really clear and intentional of how speaking fits into the mix. So like we talked about at the beginning, there are people who are listening right now who say, I want to, I want to, 
do speaking gigs. 100% of my revenue, 100% of my time, I want all in on speaking. And that's fine. That's totally good. And there's other people that are like, nah, I mean, I, I got other stuff going on. I wouldn't mind doing a few gigs here and there. And so speaking is, you know, 5% of the revenue. And you know what? Both are fine. But you got to be clear on which makes the most sense for you and what it is that you're working towards. So again, that's kind of the big picture, the S-P-E-A-K speak framework that we, uh, we walk through and cover in the book. And message manager listeners, we will, of course, have that all laid out for you and a lot of other links here in the in the show description. But Grant, to this, because your sequence here is the product of a lot of work over a lot of years, but not just yourself, but a lot of other speakers. Why this particular sequence? And, and I guess to a large extent as well, do you find that aspiring speakers often start in the wrong place or they get things out of order? Yeah, like we touched on the, I think a lot of people just, we want to skip to the A, the acquire paid speaking gigs. Like that's that's the fun part, right? I, what do I need to do to get paid? What do I need to do to get on stage? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so the foundational piece though, like we talked about, if you get that part right, then the rest of the process is really easy because if you're clear on who you speak to, what's the problem that you solve in that S, then whenever you're creating the talk, you're creating the talk, a, a, a specific solution versus trying to create this general thing where, well, I speak on this, but I also speak on this. I'm not really sure what the talk's about. I'm trying to, you know, again, spread the net as far and wide as possible. And then when you get to creating a website and a video, like I'm, I'm trying to create this website and video to, you know, to speak to uh, event planners in the corporate space, but also like in the church space, but I also wouldn't mind speaking at colleges. And it's just like, again, you're just all over the map, you know? So if you get clear in the beginning, then it informs a lot of the rest of the decisions that you're going to make throughout the rest of the process. And Grant, this is a, a couple of other things that that I think, at least a couple of other things that listeners, whether they want to go full into speaking or they just want to build that out uh, a little bit more over time to help their business, that I find either might be misconceptions or things holding people back or questions that they may have. One of them, I, I've, I hear this with a lot of other aspiring speakers, is they say, I just want to tell my story. I think my story is going to be really valuable to the world. And I know that that probably gets back to the selecting a problem to solve at the very beginning. But but how do you suggest in the, in the people that you work with, the passion that they have for sharing a story and being their authentic selves versus where that might run into, yeah, but are you solving a, a practical problem for other people? Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, so when people say, "Hey, I, you know, I've overcome cancer, I won a gold medal, or I landed a plane on the Hudson," you know, like, okay, that's great. Like all those things are well and good, but here's the reality. And I don't say this to to demean anyone in any way, but whatever you've overcome, whatever you've dealt with, the audience doesn't care. They really don't. They really want to know, okay, that's great, but how does that apply to me? Like, what does that have to do with my life? So when you're creating a talk, when you're thinking about a presentation, you always want to think through it through the lens of two simple questions. So what and now what? So what and now what? So what? Why should the audience care? Why does this matter? So you dealt with this obstacle. So you overcame this challenge. So what? Why does it matter to the audience? And now what? What do you want them to do as a result of this? You know, it's too many, it's too often where even everyone listening right now, we have, we have uh, set in presentations, we've heard speakers before, we leave and we're like, that was a good talk, but I, I don't really know what it had to do with me. I don't know what I'm supposed to do as a result of this. How, is, how am I supposed to do, am I supposed to do something different? Am I supposed to think differently? So you always want to be really, really clear and make sure that there's no ambiguity there for the audience, that they're clear on, here's why this matters. Here's why this is important to you. And here's what you're supposed to do as a result of it. 
I'm curious as well, because Grant, you do have this really interesting background of the, you know, just a normal dude. You were a, a youth pastor and you began speaking on particular things to particular types of audiences. And, and I assume that that, I know that broadened over time and changed over time. So could you talk a little bit in terms of your own speaking of how your talks and topics evolved? What did you use as the, the feedback mechanism for doing that? And, and just the fact that, hey, you might speak on one topic for a little while, but it probably won't be the same thing forever. Yeah. And that's part of what makes it difficult for people in the beginning in the early stages of the process, that S selective problem to solve, because we, we think, but I'm also interested in these other groups, or I'm also interested in these other topics and these other things that I'd like to speak on. And so what I always remind people is you're, you're not making a permanent decision here. You're not getting a tattoo, but what we're asking you to, to do is to pick a starting point, right? Just something that like, okay, for at least the, the foreseeable future, this is what I'm going to focus on. This is what I'm going to be speaking to about versus, again, week after week after week, just changing, changing, changing. And people are just like, I, I just don't know what they do. You know, so th- it's not uncommon at all for speakers who, you know, they started speaking on one thing. And then a couple of years later, they're speaking on something different. And a couple of years later, they're speaking on something different. And that's fine. That's totally realistic and fair because their personal business model may evolve and change. What's happening in the marketplace may evolve and change. I mean, you know, we touched on this at the beginning, but what's happening right now with this coronavirus is, is affecting everyone, you know? So as speakers, you know, it's certainly something that, you know, we can address, you know, in the coming weeks and months uh, as events, you know, get back online sort of thing. And so again, you, you, you don't want to try to be all things, but you also don't want to say like, all right, I, I can. Uh, if I pick this, this is it. This is the only thing I'm going to ever do forever and ever and ever. So for me, I kind of think through like originally. Uh, you mentioned I was a youth pastor, and so that's that's kind of where I got my start speaking. As I was doing a lot with high schools, a lot with uh, student leadership conferences, and then I had some opportunities to speak in some colleges, and so I started doing some more of that direction. Then I had some opportunities to speak more in the the corporate space and speak more to entrepreneurs, and so we started evolving. And so some of it was was uh, you know conscious decisions, and some of it was just market opportunities that were evolving and taking place. But what I didn't, uh, what I didn't ever try to do is just say, "Hey, I, I speak to everybody. You know, who do you want me to speak to? What do you want me to speak about?" The other thing I would, I would caution people on is I think sometimes it's easy to look at uh, speakers who are deep into their career, who are well-known speakers, who speak on a variety of different things and uh, kind of lose sight of how they got started. And there were, we're, we're comparing two different parts of the process. So for example, if we look at, well, let's take someone like a Tony Robbins, right? Tony speaks on, uh, he's kind of a, you know, known as like a, a motivational speaker, but also speaks on a, a variety of topics on, on business and marriage and health and wellness and that sort of thing. And so people are like, well, if Tony's doing it, then why can't I do it? I was like, well, you're not Tony, you know? So, so you can't try to do all things for all people. So a good way to think about this is, is if you look at look at someone like a like a Gary Vaynerchuk. You know, Gary's a, a popular author and, and keynote speaker, and and today Gary speaks on a variety of different things. And so people are like, well, why can't I? You know, why can't I do that? But when when Gary got his start, he didn't speak on anything and everything. He spoke on one very specific thing. He spoke about wine. And that was it. He grew up in the wine business. His, fa- his father had a, a wine shop. Uh, and that was, so that was all he did for years. He just doubled down on this one specific thing. I'll give you another example. If you look at a company like Nike, you know, today Nike is a multi, multi, multi billion dollar company that produces pretty much anything they can put a swoosh on in the, the sporting and athletic goods uh, 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 arena. But that's not how they got their start. You know, they got their start years and years and years ago, creating a very specific shoe, a very specific running shoe for long distance collegiate runners. That's it. 
Like they made one very specific shoe for one very specific type of athlete. Uh, and then once they got some traction with that, no pun intended, then they started going to, okay, now we've got something here. Uh, let's try basketball shoes or let's try baseball shoes or let's try football cleats or let's try, you know, an everyday walking shoe or let's try a running shoe and da, 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 on, 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 went. So again, we look at like Nike does everything. Why can't I do everything? It's like, but that's not how they got their start. If you tried to, if you tried to do everything today, like Nike or like a Tony Robbins or like a Gary Vaynerchuk, that wouldn't work. But they started with one specific thing. And then eventually they started adding other things to you know what they offered. So that's the way you really want to think about it is we're, we're picking a starting point. You can evolve, you can pivot, you can shift, but don't try to be all things for all people right out of the gate. And Grant, uh, having been a a uh, college professor for a while in my past, the fact that you were going out and talking to high school assemblies and and college students, you talk to a tough audience. So I think that helped you probably help you get your game up to speed very, very quickly. Yeah. There's a big difference between an audience that wants to be there and an audience that has to be there. And this isn't true to, to just students. This is true with, with people in general. You know, It's one thing for people to, to register for a conference. I want to go to that conference versus my boss sent me here. I have to be here. I don't want to be here. right? And so a lot of times when you're talking with students, especially like in a high school setting, uh, you know, teenagers are like, hey, I'm, I'm glad you got me out of my math class. I don't really care what you have to say. Uh, and so you got you to gotta work hard to earn their trust, get them on your side. But yeah, I think it's, it's definitely something that you know, helped me to become a, a better speaker over time. I am curious, Grant, before we wrap up, as you said, you, you made that evolution over time. You did some corporate gigs, you did some association speaking and, and probably do some of that still today, even though I know you're, you're not on the road uh, to the degree that you used to be. But what were the, the points at which you said either I have people who are asking me, could you, you know, hey, hey, Grant Baldwin, could you come in and talk to my group? I know it's a little bit different than what you're doing now, but you're talking about you know, leadership and goals and those sorts of things. Were there conscious times where you said, I need to not get typecast. Let me look for problems to solve. We don't want to go looking, you know, have, have the hammer in hand and go looking for nails. But I'm curious about what have been the inflection points or the, the moments where in your own evolution as a speaker, where you decided it was it made sense to broaden a little bit or pivot a little bit and and how you had evidence from the marketplace that that might work. Yeah. So a couple things you can be doing is like I mentioned that the marketplace is a factor, your your own goals and ambition is a factor. So like you kind of touched on, there's a time where I was doing 70 gigs a year and it was basically 100% of my revenue or a high percentage of my revenue. And there wasn't a lot of other ambition to do other things. Today, speaking is probably one or 2% of our revenue. And I, just, I do a handful of gigs, but not nearly what we used to do. And so again, it's not that one's better or worse than the other. Some of it's just trying to think through like what makes the most sense for me. Like, so for example, one of the, the best pieces of just career advice I got was from a, a speaker friend of mine. Uh, and I talk, I share the story in the book, but I was at the point where I was doing about 70 gigs a year. And, and part of the challenge was speaking. I had a, a friend tell me early on, speaking is a high paying manual labor job in that we get paid really well to stand on stage and run our mouths. But the nature of speaking is you have to get on a plane, you have to go somewhere, you have to leave your family. And that can be challenging. That can be difficult. So the the two ways that you can earn more as a speaker is either you, you, you charge more or you do more. And so I was on the upper end of what I felt comfortable charging in that particular market. I didn't want to be doing more gigs. And so I was talking with a speaker friend of mine. We were in Lake Tahoe for a, a gig and vividly remember we were standing there looking at the lake talking and 
he said, you want to regularly find things where the challenge exceeds the skill set. And so he basically said, you know, like when you first start speaking, when you first start anything in life, you feel like you're way over your head. You know, you feel like the challenge exceeds the skill set. But over time, what happens is they flip. The skill set exceeds the challenge. It's still tough, but it's not nearly the challenge that it used to be, right? And you could go out there, you could go on autopilot and you could still do it and do a good job, but it's just not what it was. And again, this isn't exclusive to just speaking. This is true with anything. And he said, you want to find things regularly where you you have a new mountain to climb, that you're working towards something. And so that really resonated with me of just thinking about like, what are the, you know, I didn't feel like by any means, like, okay, I'm the world's greatest speaker. So what's what's the next mountain? But I felt like I, you know, I'd done a good job and I I'd, I'd checked off a lot of boxes of what I wanted to accomplish in my speaking career. Uh, and at the time had a lot of people who were asking me like, hey, I want to be a speaker. And so uh, so some of, it, of of the pivot of what we do now with working with and training speakers is what the, the market was telling me in terms of just, I had a lot of people messaging me and saying, I want to be a speaker and thinking about solving the problem that I had when I got started of going, I want to be a speaker, but I don't know how to do this. And I'm just trying to figure it out and piecemeal something together here. So combining that with the fact that just like thinking through my own business model of, okay, I've got young kids. Do I want to be speaking this much? What else would I rather be doing? What would that look like? How could I help people? And then trying to think through how that evolution could take place. So again, I think that that's kind of the point there is to not say that, that well, I'm going to do this one thing and this is the way the business is going to look forever and ever and ever. You know, So one of the great things about being an entrepreneur, one of the great things about business, and I think just in life in general, is that you get to make the rules. You get to decide what winning looks like. You know, Before we started recording this, you and I were kind of comparing notes on we'd done a couple of, uh, we've done a couple of marathons. And when my wife and I did a, a marathon there in your backyard in Little Rock, we did kind of this run walk ratio where we'd run for a couple minutes and then we'd walk for a minute. We'd run for a couple minutes and we'd walk for a minute. So we we're going to do that for 26 miles. Well, at the beginning of a race, as you well know, like everyone just comes out of the gate, adrenaline's pumping, it's exciting. It's the beginning of this long thing we've been preparing for and training for. And people just are running at all different cadences and speeds, right? And so you, you got to remind yourself over and over and over and over. Let them do their thing. Let them run their race. I'm running my race. And so that's so important, again, in, in business and in life that, you know, what you look at and you see people do through their emails that they share or what they post on, on social media. Uh, I always try to remind myself, like, hey, good for them. Let them run that race. Keep sprinting. That's I hope you can keep up that pace. But I know for me, I'm running this pace and I'm running this race because I'm really clear on what makes sense for me and what it is that I'm looking to accomplish. So that'd be one of the biggest things I'd, again, remind people of at any stage of their career or their life is to, you know, pay attention to what's happening in the market, pay attention to what's working. But remember, like you can run your race. You can determine what makes sense for you. Great advice. So Grant, let's wrap up. We've, we've talked so what, and we'll talk about now what? So, so what is all the opportunities that you might have is speaking as a business or speaking as just one means to help grow your business and do something that will be rewarding and, and fun for you. So let's talk about the now what. You have a lot of things going on, starting with, and you can clearly hear listeners, that's the hard cover of Grant's book right here that I've enjoyed. So Grant, all the ways that we can keep up with you from the book to your YouTube videos, to Speaker Lab, to... Uh, I don't know, whatever else you have going on, how can our listeners continue to learn from you and be connected to you? 
Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, the, the book is over at Amazon. Uh, it's at thespeakerlab.com slash book, wherever books are sold. Uh, the book's called The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, and Building Your Platform. So definitely check it out. And then everything else that we do, like you mentioned, the podcast, YouTube videos, various blog posts, free webinars, all types of free training and resources is over at thespeakerlab.com. That's our world for all things speakers. And one other thing I'll toss into the mix, which I think you're, you're very generous with your uh, colleagues at the Speaker Lab. You actually have a resource too, because a lot of people getting started have no idea. Like, first of all, is someone going to pay me to do this? Can I actually get paid in some instances to do it? But then is the uncomfortable part of, well, how much should I ask for? How much should I charge? And you have a resource uh, specific to that as well. Yeah, so we put together a, a free speaker fee calculator because, uh, like you said, we, we get that question all the time. Uh, how much should I charge as a speaker? And the reality is, is it depends, uh, but that's a horrible <laughs> answer. So uh, we try to create a shortcut. You basically answer seven or eight different questions, multiple choice questions, takes you less than a minute. It'll tell you what you should be charging as a speaker. Now, I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's much more of, a, of an art than a science, but it gives you a good ballpark to get started with. And it gives you something to go off of versus like, I, I have zero clue. So yeah, that's a, it's a totally free calculator. It's fun to play with and mess around with different variables, but you can find that over at myspeakerfee.com. And we'll link to all of that. Hey, Grant, thank you very much for taking some time out and speaking with us about the book and all the things that you're doing. We really uh, enjoyed having you on the podcast. Thanks, Jim. And thanks to you for joining us here on the Manage Your Message podcast. Really appreciate, as a side note, all the five-star ratings, the reviews, and the show ideas, the guest ideas, topic ideas that you've been sending my way, jim at jimcar.com. Really appreciate that. And we're seeing much more growth and traction in the podcast. We want as many people to benefit as possible. So thanks and please keep it coming. I want to alert you to my new book, The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business, published by Career Press in audiobook form as well. I put that together as simple, practical steps you can use to bring more power and scale and consistency to the everyday growth conversations in your business, whether that's business to consumer, business to business, not-for-profits associations. All of them can benefit, I believe, from the ideas and the experiences in the book. And when your team, company, or professional association gets together How many of those people are looking for practical ways to grow without having to turn their business model upside down? I suspect all of them. I offer programs ranging from keynote speeches to workshops to new manager programs, executive level messaging, leadership masterminds, really been a host of things that we've been putting together. Everything is tailored to your group and your growth plans. And it won't surprise you to learn that lately we've been doing some virtual programs, things through Zoom and other methods, just to take into account the environment and problems with travel and this and that. So there are lots of ways that we can put it together. Let's talk. You can learn more at jimcar.com. That's K-A-R-R-H. My contact information is there so we can talk directly. My email is jim at jimcar.com and my direct number is on the website. Look forward to it. Until next time, message managers, thanks for joining the conversation. Thanks for joining us on the Manage Your Message podcast with Jim Carr. You'll find show notes and other resources at managermessagepodcast.com and jimcar.com. Please help us serve you and other message managers by subscribing to, rating, and reviewing this podcast. 
and connect with Jim on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Jim Carr. Until next time, we hope your business message is shared well and often.